Greetings, beloved, in Jesus' name. Amen. It's always a blessing to come to the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. It's always a blessing also to be alive at such a time as this. When the world seems to be at a standstill, but we who are connected to God keep on moving. Amen. Amen. So I just want to connect with what we started last week about walking with God. And starting with you by telling you that actually most people have put their lives almost on pause or on hold. I indicated to you last week that even when you have paused your life, you have paused your aspirations, your ambitions, your dreams, life never stops. And it's even more uh, serious when you note that some people who had actually paused their lives because of corona, some of them have even departed before and pausing again. So it means we cannot afford to pause our lives. We cannot afford to pause our dreams and our aspirations and our ambitions. We cannot afford to pause pursuing God. Amen. And Jesus' focus was always on the work of the Father. Go with me to the book of John 5.17, AMPC. But Jesus answered them, My father has worked even until now. He has never ceased working. He is still working, and I too must be at divine work. Can we all say, my father has never ceased working. And I too must continue to work. Amen. In other words, if my father has not stopped working, and he needs to work here on the earth through us, I also cannot stop working. Amen. Amen. John 9, 4 AMPC, Amplified Classic. John 9, 4 says, We must work the works of him who sent me and be busy with his business while it is daylight. Night is coming on when no man can work. So Jesus says, We must be busy with the business of our father. Tell your neighbor, Are you busy with your father's business or are you busy with your own business? Amen. Because sometimes we forget that we are here for an assignment. There is something that God has planned when you had to come here on earth. There is something specific that God wanted you to do in his kingdom. But we will not be able to do that if we are busy with many other things and we cannot tune to God's frequency. And we cannot tune to God's way of doing things. Jesus was so much attuned to what the Father wants at all times. Go with me to John 5.30, AMPC, Amplified Classic. Jesus says, I am able to do nothing from myself, independently of my own accord, but only as I am taught by God and as I get his orders. Even as I hear, I judge. I decide as I'm bidden to decide. As the voice comes to me, so I give a decision. And my judgment is right, just, righteous, because I do not seek or consult my own will. I have no desire to do what is pleasing to myself, my own aim, my own purpose, but only the will and pleasure of my Father who sent me. Amen. You see, what was Jesus' ambition? So you could never sway him away from seeking the purpose of the Father. 
So the Father has got a purpose with each one of us, especially for such a time as this. There's a reason why you are alive for such a, a time as this. There's a reason why you are in Cape Town at Jesus the Savior at such a time as this. And may the Lord's will and plan be fulfilled through our lives. Go with me, John, uh, Psalms 23, 1 and 2, AMPC. We also touched on this last week. I'm just giving that background and now we need to connect with what we're talking about today. And we need to always make sure that where the, Lord's lead, where the Lord leads, we follow. But we must never try to lead the Lord. Amen? You know the song? Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. I'll go with thee, with thee, all the way. You have sung it right. It doesn't say, where I lead him here will follow. Where I lead him. It doesn't say that, isn't it? So it means many times where you have been wanting God to follow. In other words, we do things and we say, Lord, come with me. But the better part is to say, Lord, what should we do? Amen. And then where he leads me, I follow. Go to Genesis 5, 22 to 24 AMPC. Enoch walking with God. It says, Enoch walked in habitual fellowship with God after the birth of Methuselah, 300 years, and had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked in habitual fellowship with God. And he was not, for God took him home with him. So we said walking with God means walking in continual, habitual fellowship with God. Okay? It doesn't literally just mean walking with God like that. You can walk with God as you are in your closet, in your prayer time, fellowshipping with the Father. Because God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So God in the Garden of Eden, he came to the garden and he was looking for Adam for fellowship. And he said, Adam, where are you? So, would God be asking that question also for you? Where are you to fellowship with me? I'm longing to fellowship with you. Where are you? Okay? Some of us, you find that you even miss church, but you also don't have time for your own time in closet, just in the presence of God. We are busy with many other things. And they would be saying, where are you? Amen. So we need to always be longing for that fellowship with God. You know when people start loving each other, especially boys and girls, or young men and young women, just before you get married, or just that time, which some of you call it courtship time. It's like you can't spend time, you can't even spend a day without checking on each other. Isn't it? There is that thing that says, I always want to check. Hey, I'm missing this one. But you were with her yesterday. But already you feel that sense of, 
I'm longing to be with him or with her. Because we are in love. Amen. So it means when we are in love with God, we need to have that longing of always being in fellowship with him. Go with me to the book of Psalm. Psalm chapter 42, verse 1 to verse 4, NLT. It says, As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I want you to put yourself in the position of, of David. So he says, as the deer longs for the stream of waters, like if it's thirsty and it wants to go there. So I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? You see what David is saying? He says, I'm longing for God. I'm thirsting. I'm thirsty for God. When can I go and stand before him? Some of you, during the time when we couldn't even fellowship together during lockdown and that, you were supposed to be missing church. Okay? Saying, when can I go back and fellowship with other brethren? But also in your own time of closet, you need to be saying, when can I go and stand before him? I'm longing for him. Day and night I have only tears for food, while my enemies continually taunt me saying, where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. Here he was talking almost like lockdown period. Eh? He says, my heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. How was it? I walked among the crowds of worshippers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amidst the sound of a great celebration. So he says, I, I'm thinking about those times. I remember those times when we would come to fellowship in the house of God. I'm longing for those moments. That's why if you long for God, you long for the moment of fellowship in the house of God, you will not miss church. Amen? Because you're longing for that time. You're longing for that moment. And do you know that when you are longing for God, God is longing for you? Amen? So, God wants to fellowship with us. And we should never allow ourselves to move without the presence of God. The Bible says God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So, we need to be always tuned to him, to his presence. Go with me to Exodus 33, 14 to 18 AMPC, Amplified Classic. This was about Moses, who also said, I do not want to miss your presence. I want to be in your presence all the time. And the Lord said, my presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. And Moses said to the Lord, if your presence does not go with me, don't carry us up from here. So he says, if your presence is not with us, we don't go anywhere. So this is the, resol the resolution that Moses had made for himself. I don't want to do anything without the presence of God. Have you noticed that most things that we do on our own, we make a lot of mistakes and at the, at the end we, we suffer a loss of so many things and we say, 
I should just have consulted God. I should have just checked with God. I would not have suffered all this loss. It's almost like when Paul, when they were in the ship and they suffered shipwreck, he said, you should have listened to me. When I said, my God, this, 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 and we would not have suffered this loss. So sometimes some of the losses that we are suffering is because we did not listen and consult with God. Now Moses says, if your presence does not go with me, don't carry us up from here. For by what shall it be known that I and your people have found favor in your sight? Is it not in you going with us so that we are distinguished, I and your people, from all the other people upon the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing also that you have asked, for you have found favor, loving kindness and mercy in my sight, and I know you personally and by name. And Moses said, I beseech you, show me your glory. So he says, how will we be distinguished from the world? Is it not by you going with us? Is it not by your presence? You remember when Samson, I want to give you this example, it connects well with this. You remember Samson's strength was in his hair, isn't it? And you remember when the woman was enticing him to reveal the source of his strength. He said that, that, that. Then at the end he said, I am a Nazarene from Beth. My hair has never been shaved. If my hair can be shaved, go and check it. I will be ordinary like anybody else. Go and check it. That's interesting. So he says, if I lose the presence of God, if I lose, if my hair is shaven and I get separated from God, I become ordinary like anybody else. So the reason why sometimes maybe you were so ordinary like anybody else, you need to ask yourself, am I walking in habitual fellowship with God? Am I constantly rubbing on with God? I told you the other time that if you take a magnet and a piece of steel or a piece of iron and rub that steel against the magnet, it becomes magnetic. So if you have spent so much time in the presence of God, you will glow in God's glory. You will speak like somebody who has been with God. But if you spend so much time with wrong crowds, we will hear you when you speak. We know this one. This one hasn't been coming to church for quite a long time. No wonder she speaks like this. This one hasn't been praying for quite a long time. So you were hanging in with the wrong group. That's why you are not different from them. So he says, what will distinguish us Beside your presence. Beside you going with us. Because if we do not have you, Lord, we are like anybody else. We become ordinary. Okay? So, if we don't want to be ordinary, we need to have that distinguishing factor. The presence of God upon our lives. Amen? Do you get that? So, you just need to make that scale yourself and say, have I been ordinary? Has my life been just ordinary? Or has it been extraordinary? If it's been just ordinary all the time, ask yourself, am I ordinary like anybody else? And if the answer is yes, you say, maybe the hair of Samson is off. Amen. You know, we used to, we used to talk this thing, it was like a joke with Pastor Luke, we used to talk about the hair of Samson. So we would say, you would find that maybe somebody used to 
mightily love God and mightily be used by God. And after that, then they sever the relationship with God. Then you can see that even when they are trying with strength, it's like Samson. You remember after the hair was gone and they said the Philistines are upon you. <clears throat> it's no longer working because the presence has departed. Amen. So if you don't want to be ordinary like anybody else, make sure that you stay connected to God. So the reason why we've got so many carnal Christians, Christians who live as they wish, is because they are not connected to the source. Amen. So he says, we will only be distinguished if we are connected with you, if we go with your presence. And when you go with your presence, so Moses, I, I like how Moses related to God. Okay? Go with me to Exodus 32. 7 to 14, but we won't read all of it, New King James Version. Moses related to God to such an extent that they were like friends. God would say something and Moses says, how about this? And God would say, okay, I think you're right, Moses. That's how friends relate. Look at this. It was the time when Moses had spent 40 days and 40 nights in the presence of God, the time when he was going to receive the, the two tablets with 10 commandments. And when he was in the mountain, the children of Israel together with Aaron started saying, what has become of this Moses? Maybe he's not coming back. We should make a God for ourselves. And we must say, this is the God who delivered us from Egypt. So they asked for earrings and bracelets and took some of the, 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 the copper from that and mold a golden calf. Uh, or or a, a, a calf that they molded a calf with those uh, bracelets and earrings and all that. And they said, this is our God. And when God saw that, when he was still with Moses in the mountain, he then says, Moses, go down to your people. Look at this. Exodus 32, 7 to 14, New King James Version. And the Lord said to Moses, go, get down. For me, it's got an exclamation mark. I don't know in your Bible, but it's like God when he picked that, they are now worshipping the idols. He says, Moses, go, get down. For your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted, corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen these people, and indeed it is still a stiff naked people. Now therefore, let me alone, that, I, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, and I will make you of a great nation. You see how God was speaking to Moses? Like friends. He says, your people whom you brought out of Egypt, look what they are doing. Let me wipe them off and let me start afresh with you. Some of you would have thought that's a good idea, isn't it? But listen to Moses. Verse, verse 12. No, verse 11. Then Moses pleaded with the Lord his God and said, you see, that's the good thing about being a friend of God, isn't it? We can talk. We can talk. He says, Lord why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? What, what, what did he do just there? You know, when a child is not doing the right thing, 
The mother says, it's your child to the father. This boy of yours. The father also says, this boy of yours to the mother. Now, in verse 7, God calls the Israelites whose people? Moses' people. In verse 11, Moses called the Israelites whose people? God's. You saying they are my people, not this stiff naked one. These are your people whom you brought out of Egypt. Did you see that? In verse 7, God says, your people, you Moses, your people whom you have brought out of Egypt. Moses in verse 11 says, Lord, why do, does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you brought out of Egypt? So nobody wanted to own them. Okay? And he says, why should the Egyptians speak and say, he brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountains, and to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from this harm to your people. So Moses is saying, I don't think it will be advisable, God, that we do it that way. Because if you wipe them off, the Egyptians will say, we were better off than their God. We never killed any one of them. Now their God took them to kill them and finish them in the wilderness. Now Moses continues. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven. And this land that I've spoken of, I give to your descendants and they shall inherit it. Verse 14, crucial. So the Lord relented from the harm which he had said he would do to his people. How did God change? Because of Moses. That's what we call friendship. Okay? So if you look even the story of Hezekiah, you remember the other time we were talking about Hezekiah, when the Lord said, you are going to die, you are not going to leave. Put your house in order. Hezekiah turns to the wall and says, Lord, remember, let's talk about this. And then the Lord said, okay. Okay, how about 15 more years? And then Hezekiah says, that's fine. If you look at these people, they lived in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant. People like uh, Enoch even lived in the beginning of times. But they understood fellowshipping and constant fellowship with God. But they were not as privileged as we are because they only used to have visitation from God. But for you and I, we have the Holy Spirit in us for constant presence of God in our lives. So we are actually better off. You remember in the Garden of Eden, it says, in the cool of the day, God came to the garden and said, Adam, where are you? It means he was not constantly with Adam. Okay? He would visit. So, but with us, with the Holy Spirit in us, we can have that constant fellowship with him. And if you've got constant fellowship with God, you will be different from the world. You remember he said what distinguishes us from the world? It's your presence. Look at it with me in Acts chapter 4 verse 13. Look at the disciples of Jesus. So having Jesus in your life will distinguish you from the world. Acts 4.13, King James Version says, Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned 
and ignorant men. They marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. So this is what happened. So they looked at Peter and John. These guys are not even educated. But how is it that they do things like that? How is it that they've got such kind of wisdom? How is it that the Lord is using them mightily like this? Then they realize, oh, no, the secret is, the secret is, they've been with Jesus. That's what makes the difference. So that's why I said for some of you, how you behave and how you speak, we can know who you have been with. Amen. Yeah, we can know who you've been with. You were hanging off with the wrong crowd. But for this one, people realized, oh, they were with Jesus. Can people start acknowledging and realizing you've been with Jesus? Huh? Imagine people, especially for you ladies, imagine people are hating you or they are gossiping about you or doing things intentionally to hurt you and you just love them with the love of the Lord. They will start realizing, what's, what's wrong with this one? Every time we intentionally plan to hurt her, she just loves us the more. Then they will realize you've been with Jesus. That is the difference. Amen. Because Jesus' way of doing things is different from our way of doing things. But if you constantly walk with God, by the way, you can walk with God like a friend. And you say, but walking with God like a friend? Go with me to James chapter 2 verse 22 23 in the New King James Version. James 2, 20 to 23 in the New King James Version. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And, I want us to read this one together. And he was called the friend of God. Amen. Imagine being called the friend of God. Hmm? The friend of God. So it means when people want access to God, they can come to you to talk to your friend. When they need God to do something, they might have to come to you and tell you, can't you just talk with your friend? And that's exactly what Abraham did when he was pleading the case of Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah as a friend. Look at this with me in Genesis 18, 17 to 19 first, just to say friends usually share secrets. Okay? So God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah for the sin of homosexuality. He was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And at that time, I told you that uh, Lot had chosen Sodom and Gomorrah because he made his choice when Adam, uh, Abraham and Lot said, we are, Abraham said, we are relatives. We don't have to fight. Let's part ways. If you go east, I will go west. Now, 
Lord used his eyes to make a choice. Some of you, you look with your natural eyes to make important life decisions. The problem with that is that you do not know the future. If you had consulted with God or consulted with the Spirit, you might have made the correct choice. But now because your choice was based on what you see, so he looked and he saw the plains of Sodom and Gomorrah. It looked like a fertile ground, a place where there was good grazing for the livestock, and he chose that. But what was he choosing? Sodom and Gomorrah, the place that would have to be destroyed. And when it was to be destroyed, they were told, run for your lives. Don't even take anything. So in other words, you just rush and you lose everything. Because you made choices based on your eyes and not on consulting God. But now listen to this. Before God went to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he says, Genesis 18, 17 to 19, And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? That's God saying, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? You see, God takes us like friends. Huh? It's like when you want to do, when you've got a certain secret, man, you share just with your closest friend. So he says, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and a mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. So he says, shall I hide from Abraham? Then he realized, no, I can't hide from my friend. Let me go and tell him. And you remember when those angels went, they went, came to, 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 to Abraham we're going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And then, what do you think came to Abraham's mind when God said he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? Lot. Lot was a relative of Abraham. So when God said we are going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, talking to, the, to his friend Abraham, Abraham realized, but I've got relatives there. Then he says, now again, Abraham was doing like Moses, <laughs> talking to God, eh? debating with your father, talking with your father like friends. God likes it when you are like a friend to him. Okay, Hezekiah did it. Uh, Moses also did the same thing. Now look at Abraham. He says, oh Lord, if you find 50 righteous people, that's from verse 22 to verse 33, we won't read it. If you find 50 righteous people, are you still going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah for the sake of the righteous? And he says, far be it from you to destroy the righteous with the wicked. You can't do that, God. And God said, yeah, you're right. For the sake of the 50, I will not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, okay, Lord, what if it's 45? For the sake of the 45, I will not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He went down until he came to the number 10. What if it's 10? And what did God say? For the sake of 10, I will not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. What do you think would have happened if he said, what if it's 1? I think he would have said the same thing. And then God would have done what he did when Moses said to him, it won't be good to destroy 
the children of Israel and God said it's fine. We don't have to do it that way anymore. So my assumption is because he came 45, 50, 45, this, 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 until 10. When he ended at 10, then he stopped. But I believe that as a friend, because he knew that I've got Lot and his family. But then he, he pleaded and didn't go deep enough. And Sodom and Gomorrah was still destroyed. But I'm picking for you just to show that these people, they understood walking with God like a friend. Amen? They understood consulting with God and, and, and talking with God and say how things should be. Because we are connected to him. We are one with him. Okay? You say, we are his of the Father. We are jointed. By the way, some of you say we are jointed. It's not we are jointed. Because you were saying we are S. So we are joint S. Okay? We are S of the Father. We are joint S with the Son. We are children. You are joint S, not jointed. Okay? So when we say we are heirs of the Father, we are joint S. In other words, we are heirs on equal platform with Christ. Amen. We are family. We are one. It means when you want to be a joint heir with Christ and enjoy all the benefits, you can't ignore me as part of your family. Amen. So in other words, as we fellowship with God, we also should not ignore fellowshipping with one another. Because when we are joined as with, with the Son, we are also family with one another, and we are one. So if we are joined as with Christ, we need to stay connected to him. Go with me to the book of John chapter 15. I won't read all of it for the sake of time. We are landing soon. John chapter 15, verse 1 to 17, NIV. But I will not read all the verses. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. Are you getting this? So Jesus says, remain in me as I remain in you. So when we are together, when you are one with me, you will now bear fruit. And he says, without me, you can do nothing. You will not be able to bear fruits on your own. So there are so many Christians who are fruitless. They are not bearing any fruit. Because you're walking in your own carnal nature. You are not connected with Jesus. Wouldn't you guys be surprised if you find a branch that's cut off from the tree 
and you find that it's continuing to live and it's bearing fruit. It's not possible, isn't it? It can only continue to live and bear fruit if it's connected to the vine. Okay? He says, so it is with you. So it means there are some Christians who are bearing no fruit. No wonder they are bearing no fruit. They are disconnected. Amen. Because here, he says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit is cut off. But it's still a branch that was in him. So which means, even in the house of the Lord, we've got some branches that needs to be cut off. You're just wasting the food, the nutrients. Okay? So it means we need to say, I want to be connected to the Father. I want to be connected with Jesus. And I want to continue to bear fruit. What the Father wants from me, let him see this fruit. I'm going to bear more fruit. I will live like Jesus. Amen. Jesus says, I'm going to the Father. And you will do the works that I do. Even greater works than this. So it means if we represent Christ here on the earth, we must live like Jesus. Unfortunately, most of the people live like themselves. How often did you hear people say, she doesn't know me. I'm also a person. I also have flesh and blood. <laughs> then, then you are not living like Jesus. Okay? You need to talk like Galatians 2, 20 and 21. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who gave himself for me. In other words, when you see me live, when you see me do these things, it's, just, it's like when Jesus said, when I, I receive orders from the Father, then I give guidance. So similarly, you can say, I want to be so much connected with the Father, with Jesus, that I do as directed. Because the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So Lord, order my steps. I want to be obedient to you. I want us to do things your way. Like I've said to you, so many mistakes that we make in life is because we want to do things on our own. And you find that you suffer shipwreck. You remember when uh, Paul was with the people, they were going to Rome, and when they were in the ship and they came to a certain place, he said, guys, uh, Continuing with the voyage will be dangerous. We mustn't continue. And then they ignored him. They continued. Then when they had suffered a lot of things, he said, you should have listened to me. We would not have suffered this loss. But anyway, for now, we won't lose our lives. Only we'll lose the ship and everything. But at least we'll be saved. But you should have listened to me. You would not have suffered this loss. So it's the same thing that sometimes you find we're suffering a lot of losses because of going without the Lord. Without consulting. Without hearing God's guidance in a particular situation. So that's a challenge to all of us. That I don't want to suffer shipwreck. Losses. I want to consult. I want to wait upon the Lord. 
and let him guide me, let him lead me. So let's land with the book of Songs of Solomon. We will also use this to also give as we're going to give soon. But I want us to land with this thing of, when I started with you, I told you that when people are in love, especially young ladies and young men, you always want to be close to each other at that time. You always think of one another. You want to constantly fellowship with him or with her. Isn't it? Even if you were with him or her this morning again, it's like always. So, look at this with me in the book of Songs of Solomon. Chapter 6, verse 3. And then chapter 8, verse 6 and 7 in the ERV. It says, I belong to my lover, and my lover belongs to me. He is the one feeding among the lilies. So you are saying, I belong to my lover, and my lover belongs to me. Talking about that intimate relationship, being close to one another all the time. But I want you to look at chapter 8, verse 6 and 7 in the ERV. Keep me near you like a seal you wear over your heart, like a signet ring you wear on your hand. Love is as strong as death. Passion is as strong as the grave. Its sparks become a flame, and it grows to become a great fire. A flood cannot put out love, Rivers cannot drown love. Would people despise a man for giving everything he owns for love? Okay. So when he says flood cannot put out love. Rivers cannot drown love. You know the Bible says agape never fails. Love never fails. So it means if I want, you know we've got other kinds of love. You've got phileo which means Relationship love, like the love between parents and children. How you love your parents and all that, it's a certain kind of love. It's not the same love that you use when you love a husband or a wife. Okay? So that we call that phileo. And then you've got the eros, which is the romantic kind of love. The love between husband and wife. But the God kind of love is called agape. So that is the love that never fails. So if I want my phileo not to fail, my eros not to fail, I must always stay in agape. Let agape be the foundation. And then you can then say, a flood cannot put out love. Rivers cannot drown love. So if you ever were in love with her or with him and now you say, I no more love her. What are you saying about this verse? Flood cannot put out love. Rivers cannot drown love. Okay? I would say then it means your eros or your phileo was not based on agape. Because God's unconditional love never fails. But let's look at this last portion of verse 7 and we're going to give with this one. It says, Would people despise a man for giving everything he owns for love? In other words, if you love and we see how you give, can we look down upon you how you, 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 you are giving? It's because you are propelled by that love in you. Okay? It's like 
Some of you, maybe you're giving your tithe and you look at it and it looks chock. This great sum of money. Eh? And somebody who, da, who is not in love with God won't understand why are you doing that. But here it says, would people despise a man for giving everything he owns for love? So if I'm so much in love with my God, leave me alone. And you say, ah, but Pastor, this is a lot of money. But do you know what a tithe is? A tithe is not necessarily always a lot of money. It's just a tenth of what you got. So if that is a lot of money, you got ten times more than that. So it means you got a lot of lot of money. If a tenth is a lot of money, then the full amount is a lot and lot of money. Amen. Because imagine one out of ten and there's still nine left. So if this one is too much, then how much is ten? Very too much. Isn't it? Hmm. So sometimes I would say with my wife, we'll look at me. I want to give her a tithe and let him look at me. Sure, this looks a lot of money. Then you know what we usually say? I usually say it where, oh, it means we are so blessed. We got ten times more than that. Amen. So here now, as we are going to give, it says, would people despise a man for giving everything he owns for love? The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him. So when he says he loved and he gave. So if you love, give. So we are going to give now. You give your tithe, your offerings, your building fund contribution because you love God. But when you do that out of love, God will still bless you back and multiply your seed soul. If you are a tither, he will continue to open windows of heaven for you and pour you out blessings that you will not have room enough to contain. And when you give your offerings, he multiplies your seed soul and increase the fruit of your righteousness. So let's get a song as we are going to bless the Lord with our substance. But I'm saying to you, would people despise a man for giving everything he owns for love? In other words, if I'm doing this because of love, leave me alone. Is that not what also you young men do? And even those people, you know the people whom you say, somebody else is, I don't know how to express it in English, but they would say if maybe a, certain, a man was staying in a certain place and now he goes away and he finds another wife, now the money doesn't go home anymore. It's used here. Why? Because that's where his heart is. Okay? The Bible says, where your heart is, there will your treasure be. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So what is it that you treasure the most? That's what you love the most. Amen. We have landed. So let's get a song and bless the Lord with our substance.